0: going on man appreciate you taking the time
2: hey man you, you just dropped that bombshell of obviously what Pete Thamel was reporting I was over here you know searching through Roback actually trying to use your promo code so that that's what I was doing during the hey. break and then you dropped that bombshell it's a good deal by the way I mean I, look, yeah. it, it's a really really good deal but hey man always uh happy to join and uh there seriously is no off season especially with all the craziness we've seen so far in January
0: for sure. First off, please do use that promo code because it'll, ma- it'll make us look good. Um, I'm just looking at your background here, Bryce, with the master stuff, the Brave stuff. I was just thinking the top of my head. Yeah. Braves Fan Day. We'll be there, by the way, for those who are wondering Ooh. now that I'm inviting the, the live show. Why not? We'll just have a little gathering together. Braves Fan Day coming up, January 27th, I think it is, either way. um, Dude, great to have you on, man. So you were doing Georgia Tech stuff before. You got the Crowded Booth mm-hmm. podcast. You still do. You still have some of that Georgia Tech flavor. This past season, your first season covering LSU, talk about the contrast, the differences. I don't think it's throwing shade at Georgia Tech to say football is different on the Bayou than it is in Atlanta. So uh, what were the differences, some things you like, some things you missed about the Tech beat versus LSU? And again, it was a fun season for you in that first season.
2: Yeah, man, look, I mean, you're always grateful for where you come from, and the guys over at Georgia Tech were able to kind of give me a chance uh, to get my feet wet in the sports media industry, and look, it's a... It's a beat that is, you know, yeah, it's in Atlanta, but it's just so overshadowed by every single other program that's over there. And so you really get to kind of create it your own and you get to be creative with it. So that's what we were able to do. And, uh, you know, we've been blessed to really kind of carry through even out through last season. as kind of just like an independent podcast and really just kind of talk, you know, shop with fans. And so that was a blessing. But, man, you look I grew up an SEC fan, an SEC guy, you, you know, as well as I do, I mean, it's just different. And, and to go from, you know, and this is no shade a stadium that seats 50,000 to a stadium that seats over a hundred thousand playing with you know, a Heisman trophy winner and, and just all the legends that have come through Tiger stadium. Uh, it's unbelievable. And, and so it, it was, it's been a great season. Uh, to kind of watch, you know, and cover a guy like Brian Kelly, which, you know, he's never not in the the limelight uh, of of the college football landscape in the world. It, it was a blessing and man, I can't believe that we're sitting here in January because it feels like we were just getting ready for fall camp. I think I hopped on your show during August and we just kind of sat there, we were talking shop right after SEC media days and now we're trying to look forward to going to <laughs> Dallas and and
0: cranking all it all up again. Mm-hmm. Bryce, side note before we get into the LSU stuff, you're obviously a a big fan of the NCAA football video game. You do a lot of like Dynasty stuff, Road to Glory stuff. How excited are you for for the release of the new game this summer?
2: Man, I, look, it's it's the little kid in all of us, isn't it? I mean, that's like the greatest game ever and so I'm pumped. I was disappointed during the national championship. I saw your tweets. I yeah. saw everyone's tweets about it. You know, it is what it is. I've already started to lay the, the 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 framework and the groundwork. I don't I think you know this, but uh my wife and I are wel- welcoming a little baby girl in June. So I've got to like you know those late nights when the wife's asleep and I'm 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 gonna have the baby over here in the crib and we're gonna be playing NCAA twenty five <laughs> hopefully, but no, I don't. She's not gonna watch this episode, unfortunately. But so don't tell her <laughs> I said that. But that's we're trying to lay the, the the groundwork for that. But man, I'm pumped. That game's gonna
0: be awesome. So Bryce, moving to all things Bayou Bengals, I want to first ask you about you mentioned again this is your first season down at LSU, covering a guy like Jaden Daniels, and again for your mm-hmm. first season. Little did you know that you would be following day in, day out, a Heisman Trophy winner. What was that like following him week by week? And when did you know that he was having a Heisman caliber season? Because it's one thing to have a good season. It's one thing to have an all-SEC season. But to have a Heisman season and to win the Heisman when your team goes 9-3, and like you have to be another level of exceptional, right? Because you know as well as I do, typically the Heisman is – the best quarterback on the best team, right? Like your team mm-hmm. needs to do well. We don't see – high like back in the day, you know, we saw Heisman winners on six and six teams. That, that just doesn't happen anymore. So following him from start to finish, can, can you just detail and recollect how special that was? And when did you know that it was a Heisman-level type of year for him? Yes, yeah, so I'll
2: do it in kind of, you know, three layers here. We go back to fall camp and all the talk was this offense felt more comfortable. Jaden felt more comfortable, uh, you know, felt like that maybe the, uh, the square peg into the round hole they were trying to fit him in in year one, the, that first six weeks, you know, of uh, the 2022 campaign. Both Mike Denbrock, Joe Sloan, and Jaden Daniels kind of sat down and said, Hey, this is the plan going forward that we need from you. And then Jaden Daniels kind of reiterating, Hey, this is kind of where I feel like I fit. And they tailored it towards him. So you could see glimpses in fall camp. But like you know, Chris, I mean, it's one of those things where you can only take so much from seeing guys going against each other in the same uniform. You're ready to kind of, you know, see that. Obviously, the Florida State game, uh, you know, was just. I tell fans, you know, the only reason you even made that game close was because of Jaden Daniels. You go back and look at his numbers. I mean, that's that's the only reason that game was even close, and no one else really played well. Then you kind of get into the heart of the season, and I was on the field for the Ole Miss game uh, up there where obviously Ole Miss storms the field, just an unreal atmosphere over there in Oxford. And you kind of got the feeling from there. When Ole Miss won that game, it's like, he's going to have to have an unreal season because they've got two losses. If they're going to crash the playoff as the first-ever two-loss team, which was still very much in the cards, you could have beaten Alabama, beaten an undefeated Georgia, and there's a really, really good case for that. But you had the feeling there it's going to take a special season, and you saw the glimpses. I mean, you go back in some of those throws he makes to Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors; they're NFL-level throws. We then go to Missouri, and we're up there in Columbia, and I believe it was an 11 a.m. you know local time kickoff. And they go down early by like 14, 17 points. And he just wills them back. I mean, they legitimately think he might have broken a rib trying to get into the end zone. And that's the story lines that start to kind of develop. Uh, Then you have the Florida game where he just goes off like the 275-yard-plus touchdown runs. And I, I would say in between the Missouri and the Florida game, you're like, okay, he's got a shot. Like, he's got a shot. And that's when, and I want to give credit here to to LSU's, you know, media department. They really started to crank up the marketing profile. Because until then, and I don't know how much you kind of paid attention to this, uh, until then, you know, you had the Bo Nix, like, um, the bodacious ads you know that were in times square and stuff like that but there wasn't a lot of marketing put in by really anybody else i mean of course you had your candidates that's when they started you know that kid jaden the little documentary series that i encourage you know fans of college football to go check out because it's a great story but i would say it's the missouri the florida game in between those you start to kind of get the feeling of he's got a legitimate shot here and even though it was a florida team that really wasn't that great when you're, you know, setting SEC total yardage you know, records, I don't care. It's not, you know, it's not a high school football team out there. That's an SEC defense that you're playing, and he just he made them look like a high school team. And so I think with that, and then you know the Texas A&M game, we walked off the field of Texas A&M, and he's heading into the locker room, and you kind of get the feeling of like we've covered this guy all season, but it never really hit us. Hey, this is it, because you know I, I didn't think he was going to play in the bowl game. And he's walking off. You can tell he's starting to take it in. He and Malik Neighbors have a really kind of cool moment together. Uh, those two guys, which are going to be LSU legends forever. And, and man, it's just, look, you, you're told not to be a fan, you know, as, as, a, as a reporter, as, as, a, as a media member. But look, it's hard not to root for guys like that. Jaden's such a humble guy and just kind of see his growth throughout the season. uh, It it was really and truly like a blessing just to be a part of that. And uh, that kid is really, really, really talented. And he's got a good head on his shoulders, which obviously helps for the next level as well.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: Now, Bryce, it's been a crazy last couple of days going into late last week as Nick Saban officially announced his retirement, walks away from the game. Kalen DeBoer has been hired as Alabama head coach. I I first want to get your your take on this because, again, you're as tied in with the LSU fan base as anybody. What has been the reaction from LSU fans? Because this is a guy Mm -hmm. in Nick Saban, right, that we all pay our respects to the GOAT, but I think I posted this late last week and said, hey, listen, there's a ton of SEC fan bases out there that are thrilled. I mean, they're giddy. They're giddy, yeah. this guy. He's finally gone. So what's been the reaction from LSU fans? Because I have to imagine, and this thing came out of nowhere, right? Like, we knew this day was coming soon, but for him to actually hang it up, I have to imagine LSU fans, if they're honest, they're like, thank goodness. What What have you taken away? Your interactions been like and, and just the overall vibe around the Bayou Bengals, if you will.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, first off, I think that there's some fans have acknowledged that LSU football is what it is because of Nick Saban back in 2003. Uh, and, and there. so there has been a, you know, as much as we couldn't stand the guy when he was in Tuscaloosa, we respect him because he really kind of, you know, LSU has always been a great brand, but you go back to the early 2000s and what he did down here in Baton Rouge and then kind of catapulted them into the Les Miles era, They had Orgeron. I mean, it's just been a really successful run of 20-plus years now. So that being said, of course, you're right, Chris. I mean, this is a group that, you know, is, is excited, you know, that 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 the big hurdle seems to kind of be gone in the SEC. Now, you know, for LSU, you go back and look at their history. It has taken historically great performances to beat Alabama, uh, just like it has for a lot of programs. You go back to Joe Burrow and that crew in 2019, uh, even last, you know, 2022's team. Well, Jaden Daniels and them just kind of, you know, uh, willing that game there towards the end with a great overtime play. So you bring in obviously a guy like Kalen DeBoer, who is gonna be a knockdown no matter what. Like I think that's the one part that LSU fans have said, and I've kind of encouraged them to be like, guys, yeah, Alabama's gonna take a step back, but it's because they were at a at a level nobody in this sport was at for the past decade and a half. I mean, that's just that's just the the fact of what this is. So, you know, for LSU fans, they're excited, and then I would kind of you know cap that with now's the time i mean you see what brian kelly has done on the coaching circuit uh you know bringing in blake baker from missouri bringing in bo davis and then obviously you know the cornerbacks coach needing to be the final piece of the puzzle uh, look i mean the goal is to say hey nick saban's gone Uh, we know we're going to no divisions we know texas and oklahoma are getting added but this is a full-on you know full court press from scott woodward the ad uh brian kelly to say hey we want to rise and raise up into that tier one where Alabama once was uh, to try to you know make ourselves the leaders in this new era of SEC
0: football. Bryce, do you feel like LSU, and again, we're very early on, right? I mean, it's literally middle of January. We've got a long way to go until toe meets leather on 2024, although the season never really ends. Like football season mm-hmm. 24-7, 365, with the portal recruiting, all that good stuff. I say all that to ask you this, though, Bryce. Do you feel like LSU is being a little bit, Overshadowed, if you will, or maybe do you think they're going to be underhyped because of what Ole Miss is doing? Right? Ole Miss is that team, winners of 11 games, first time in program history, what they've done in the portal. And I mean, I think they deserve the hype, but it's kind of a weird feeling to where, like you mentioned, Nick Saban walks away and LSU wasn't really the first team I thought of as like who are the biggest winners from this. I <laughs> thought about the Ole Misses of the world. Like, LSU has that nine-win season. They get a 10th win in a bowl game, right? No more Jaden Daniels, no more Malik Neighbors. Garrett Nussmeyer takes over. Brian Kelly has done great things to shore up the defensive side. LSU was a team some folks had to win their national championship last year. Like, Do you feel like there's a sense of LSU somewhat being overlooked, or at least more than they should be going into this next season?
2: I think there's some truth to that. I mean, look, this is a headline at times, headline-dominated industry. So the headline grabbers have been old Miss, I mean, with what they've been able to do in the portal. And look, you know, it's a, uh, maybe not an orthodox way of, You know, it's an unorthodox way of building a roster, but Lane Kiffin, I think with the resources they have there, feels like that's the best way to do that. So, of course, I mean, you look at, you know, Ole Miss, Alabama has been their Achilles heel. They've beaten LSU. You know, they beat them this past year, so they may not view LSU as that last stone that they need to cross in in order to reach the promised land. It's been Alabama for them. That's been the Achilles heel. So, well warranted for Ole Miss, but when you talk about LSU, I mean, of course, the, when you lose the Heisman Trophy winner, you expect a drop-off, and no doubt about it. But I think one thing that we were able to see in the bowl game especially, and I think you talked about this, when you go back to that, that game-winning drive that Garrett Nussmeyer put together, a lot of people, and I even said this, are, are going to brush off, oh, it's Wisconsin, it's a you know a, meaning, a meaningless bowl game. I mean, that's not meaningless for the kids and the development of what they do. So it, it might be meaningless to the fan that says, yeah, I don't really care about it. But for Nussmeyer, that, that really can kick-start what can happen throughout the 2024 season if you want proof to that go back to the bowl game the previous year where Malik neighbors went off against a you know an undermanned purdue team but it recruited a bolitnikoff worthy season you know finalist worthy season for a guy that's going to be one of the top three or four receivers taking in the draft in april so I don't like the idea that the bowl games don't matter because I think the LSU can use that and go into 2024 uh, as one of the teams that maybe they're just kind of like this, uh, you know, assassin in the weeds. They're just they're going to try to pick some teams off and that schedule. You know, it's crazy. It includes now two Big Ten games against USC and UCLA in 2024, which is a weird thing to talk about. But, you know, it sets up nicely the fact that they get Ole Miss at home. They get Alabama at home. They got to go on the road to AM. Okay. They got to go to Florida. Uh, but, you know, when you you just look at the, and, and they host Oklahoma at the end of the season, but when you look at it, what they're returning, look, they're returning the quarterback that has all the talent in the world to be one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. That's super important. And when you look across the, you know, the landscape of this conference, you know, the Carson Becks of the world, the Jackson Darts of the world, uh, you know, once you get past those two guys, and I know there's some really good names, I mean, Brady Cook in Missouri, but, you know. Now you start again the conversation is after those two guys, where does, you know, where does Garrett Nussmeyer fall in, in the talent category? We've yet to see improvement over the course of a regular season, but there's no denying that he has the talent to be a top three, top four quarterback in this conference.
0: And Bryce, you mentioned Oklahoma. I want to get your thoughts on that. Oklahoma and Texas obviously joined the league. We got the expanded SEC. And I mean, it's it's going to be, it was already a gauntlet. It was mm-hmm. already the best conference in college football. It's even more so now. Your thoughts specifically on those two programs, Texas, a team that just went to the college football playoff. Yes, they fell to Washington, but I think Texas is in prime position. Quinn Ewers is back. Prime position to be one of the mainstays in college football and I think be right there at the top of the SEC. Oklahoma, a good season, double-digit win season, right? Maybe didn't exactly get where they wanted, but I thought Brent Venables laid a solid foundation for coming into the SEC. If you had to buy stock in one of those two programs that they're going to be you know, one of the elites in the Southeastern Conference. And this could fluctuate year to year because mm-hmm. the SEC, it's going to be so competitive. And, I mean, the, the the margins are going to be so razor thin. But if you had to buy stock in one of those two that, you know, which one of those is going to flourish more so in the conference, who would you take, Texas or Oklahoma?
2: You know, I think the immediate answer for me has to be Texas, you know, just with what they have, have been able to do, you know, coming off a season that, it ended not the way you wanted it to but you know before the Nick Saban news chris I, personally if you would, had to put tier levels into the sec i would have said you know tier level wise you have georgia alabama and texas in terms of financial you know opportunity that they have nil i mean some of the chris some of the <laughs> you know some of the money that we're talking about being thrown around that that texas has it's it's crazy it's ridiculous and so just for me personally like i, I just think in terms of potential that's that's a tier one team that enters you know tomorrow you know in July first when this thing you know kicks off officially or whenever that date is, Texas is in my tier one of just you know with what they have been able to put on the field. Now obviously losing Bo Davis as a defensive line coach, uh, that's going to be something interesting to watch. You know, losing him to now a conference rival in LSU, but Steve Sarkisian to me has shown the ability to build a program that is can be. Up there with the elite of the elites. And this is something too. You talk about what this job means. Chris, when you and I were younger, you know, that burn orange logo or that burn orange, you know, uniform meant something to recruits. There was a long time in between where it really didn't. And it's starting to get back to that. So look, it's only going to help recruiting efforts as they get into the SEC. Uh, I think it's going to maybe uh, personally. I think it could you know ding a little bit of the efforts of Texas A and M. That maybe that that shine, shiny stuff wears off, and we'll have to kind of monitor that and see. I, I like Texas as they enter. I don't think Oklahoma is going to be bad, but I think they're going to be you know a, a tier two, you know between a tier two tier three team. Uh, you know the problem is you're talking about some really really good football teams in that tier two to tier three.
0: Bryce, it may be strange to some to talk about. You know Brian Kelly and his job status and expectations going into year three. But again, this is LSU football, and there are real serious expectations, and especially after you win the SEC West in year one, I think for most folks down in Baton Rouge, fell maybe short of expectations in year two. I mean, the defense was historically bad, right? And they've taken measures to fix that. When you look at year three, though, is it college football playoff or bust for Brian Kelly? Like, is that what LSU fans, is that what they need to see? Again, I'm not trying to necessarily start a conversation about, you know, his job is Brian Kelly on the hot seat. But, I mean, Bryce, you know as well as I do, man, this is 2024. It's a new age of college football. It's win now or get out. And there's going to be a lot of pressure, I feel like, on Kelly going into this season.
2: Well, I mean, no doubt. I mean, you're expanding the playoff, and also you're one of the premier brands in the sport. So that right there is, you know, setting the foundation of – you have to get there. I I would say this. Kelly has done a good job ever since, you know, Ed Orgeron was let go and they went into that bowl game three years ago now with like 32 scholarship players, a wide receiver playing quarterback, and you had, you know, just kind of disarray. He's done a good job, I would say, of raising the floor of this program. Now it's time to bust through the ceiling and see where that ceiling is. And the ceiling's a national championship. You know, I wrote about this right after the bowl game. If this team is not contending for the 12-team playoff, there's a problem and there's going to be conversation because like you said, it's the nature of the sport that we live in today. So, you know, Brian Kelly has to get there. He has been very adamant. This is not a, you know, retire into the sunset of uh, the state of Louisiana, the sportsman paradise type of deal here. I mean, this is you, he wants to go win a championship. This is why he came down to the sec. He wanted to compete against the best. He wanted to recruit against the best. And I think for him personally, you know, look, this is a guy in Brian Kelly who has, you know, many people have said he's a prideful guy. Uh, he wants to test himself against the best. And so, you know, he did really well at Notre Dame. He did really well at Cincinnati. You know, you go back to Grand Valley State and everything in between. This is a guy who understood how to coach. And he's been doing it for 30 plus years, Chris. He knows what it takes. And I think he's evolving with the times, which is something we've seen a lot of the greats do. That That championship trophy's just been elusive to him. So, I do believe that it is championship or bust for his career. But what I have said is there's a reason he's being aggressive in the defensive coaching hires for year three, because year three is about the year where you can't, you can no longer just rely on, well, it's not our recruits or it's not our guys. I mean, th- this is his system. And so, you know, this season to me will define maybe year three and year four, you can make an argument, but this year three will kind of define what Kelly's legacy in Baton Rouge will be. Uh, you got to make the playoff. I mean, I I just think that there's no question about it. You got to be one of those 12 teams, you know, playing in the month of January. Regardless if you win the title or not, there's going to be some serious conversation, I think, just about where is this program going if this team rolls in an eight and four year next year, Uh, because that would be well below the standard of what Brian Kelly has publicly put out there that he wants for this program.
0: The pressure is on in Baton Rouge for Brian Kelly. Bryce, let's move to the hardwood. LSU men's hoops. Matt McMahon, I saw you post about this on social media actually right before you jumped on about the uh, the game at Auburn, and, and there's maybe a handful, maybe a handful that would go into yeah. Auburn and win a basketball game, but uh, I think LSU's been fairly impressive early on. I think the depth of the conference has really shown early on that you know some of these teams, Ole Miss, South Carolina, LSU, even a Georgia that... I don't know we had much high hopes for. They've been really, really good. Uh, Your early impressions, at least in conference play, of what Matt McMahon and LSU are putting on the floor this year?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, if you'd have told fans through the first three conference games they'd be sitting two and one, they probably would have, uh, you know, told you to go check in somewhere, you know, to to a hospital. Match
0: the win total of last year. Yes, yes. So, I
2: mean, look. The the biggest change for them has been having a ball handler, having a guy that can, you know, come up the floor, direct the offense. And that's been their point guard, Jalen Cook. Uh, you know, he was one of those guys that was dealing with that waiver situation throughout the non-conference portion of the schedule, was able to get eligible for, I believe, the final two games of the non-con schedule, and then kind of had to sit during the perceived break that they give the kids for exams and Christmas. And then, you know, joined back in an SEC play. They beat AM, they beat Vanderbilt, and then they lose to Auburn. But but even in that game, Chris. You know, I've been in that arena in Auburn. That's one of the craziest environments. You talk about non blue bloods, uh, you know, and I think Auburn's trending, you know, could trend towards that under Bruce Pearl, but, you know, the traditional blue buds, Auburn's not one of them. That might be rivaling some of what you see across the country when you talk about environment and atmosphere. So, you know, they went down by like 25, almost 30 points, and they cut it to within manageable. That speaks a lot about what McMahon's plan and vision for this program, you you know, is. And so I I think in year two under McMahon, they've showed some strides. I don't know if anyone has a good idea of where they're going to end up. But, man, if you could be competing for an NIT bid and maybe get an NIT bid, that is huge for the development program. And you mentioned the depth of this conference is really starting to show, you know, Mike White's done a great job over there at Georgia. You look at Mike White's numbers uh, in year two uh, of the program. You look at, you know, a program like South Carolina that, you know, an old miss that I think maybe, uh, you know, we'll have to see. And and Chris, maybe you have more insight of this of, are those records more inflated because of non-conference? How do they fare in the conference? How do they adapt to conference play? Uh, But look, SEC basketball has grown so much, and I think Matt McMahon and LSU are finally turning a corner of, okay, you know, our fans, you know, at least expect us to compete and try for a win and maybe get a win here as we uh, take on these SEC opponents.
0: Now, Bryce, were you on the LSU beat for the baseball season last year, the national championship? When, When did you get on the LSU beat? Last
2: January. So, yeah, man, I I rolled in right before opening day. and uh, Great timing. (laughs) Wild.
0: Wild. Great time. So, my my question is this, obviously, and we'll go more in-depth on this in in a couple months when baseball season gets rolling, Mm -hmm. but, I mean, you win the national title. Paul Skeens has a magical year, right? I mean, how can LSU top that? Like, I mean, I I, I guess the the, the answer is they literally can't. All they can do is hope to repeat it, but, I mean – do you feel like do LSU fans feel like they have the team to go back to back? That's something that hasn't been done in quite a while?
2: Yeah, we're going to get a chance to talk with uh, Jay Johnson and the coaches, staff and and the players here in about a week or two. But I think just early on, when you look at that roster from you know the thirty thousand foot view, very different. You know, they still have uh, Tommy Tanks, Tommy White, they still have Hayden Travinsky. They've still got some really good bats in that lineup. And it's I mean, I would still stay, say, you know top three top four lineup of the SEC. But it's different this year. Heading into the 2024 campaign, they feel like they've probably got the best pitching staff, which is kind of scary considering what they put out there. <laughs> you know, last year they even think it's a deeper pitching staff because one of the concerns going into Omaha last year was once you got past Skeens, even Thatcher Hurd and Ty Floyd, you didn't really know that you were going to get dominant performances. Now you did, and that was great. But this year, you know, they they bring in uh, you know some guys through the portal uh they bring in a couple Alabama guys which i think is going to you know help them uh, a big tall lefty freshman that is just i mean chris I, I don't you know how much you know about you know uh lefties here but kid's like 6 foot 5 and he throws like 95 96 if you're left-handed you're throwing that hard uh, you're going to get a look somewhere whether it's the rotation of the bullpen. so you know w- when you look and see what this uh, group puts out there they feel like it's more designed to play close baseball games maybe than the blowouts they were able to play last year but yeah i mean look the expectations at alex box this season it's a natty or bust every single year and anything else (laughs) is going to be you know uh short short is going to be a disappointment but that's where you want your program and lsu is a primed i think better in just about as better as anyone in the country
0: Price on a baseball note, are the Braves finally going to get past the Phillies this year? Did the Braves oh. finally get back to the World Series? It's the best <laughs> roster in baseball, I feel like, maybe outside of the Dodgers, but uh, for whatever reason, man, the Phillies have the Braves number of late.
2: Yeah, man, it's been disappointing to see. Uh, you know, the past <laughs> two years has, has been frustrating, and I'll even say this, and I think this is okay to say on the show, but I'll, I'll limit it for if there's younger viewers. Braves need a little bit of that FU mentality. Uh, the, the Phillies had it, you know, with Castellanos and all those guys. I think Atlanta got a little bit away from that, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, with everything. I like that. I like the flair. Uh, I like that. I think you need that in the postseason, especially when you're going up against the best and uh, you need some, some motivation, you need some confidence. We'll see. I mean, look, this team's obviously proven, Chris, what they can do in the regular season. I think a lot of fans, unfortunately, and and I I won't be one of these, but I think a lot of the casual fans will be – they'll kind of tune out the regular season um, because they'll want to see what happens in October. And that makes sense. But man, you know, I was talking with my dad the other day who grew up in the, you know, the age of the eighties before that, you know, run in the nineties and the seventies and eighties for the Braves were not kind. He said, Bryce, enjoy this, enjoy that game in July when Atlanta wins seven to one over the Marlins and just flexes their muscles because you don't get that. And you're living in the midst of a pretty nice run, regardless of how many uh, trophies are hoisted up at the end of the
0: year. Yeah, Bryce, it's the greatest compliment I think you can give that the the real season for a team like the Braves, or we see other teams in college sports, it it doesn't begin until the postseason, but then it's kind of a you know, it's it's kind of sad, you know what I mean? It's like you don't know what you have till it's gone, to your point. I mean, yeah. I think back to like 2015 when the Braves had I think Freddie Freeman was a young player and they were winning like sixty-five games. So just you know, oh, like, yeah. like you mentioned. You're knocking on the door of a hundred wins. Just enjoy yeah. it. Don't don't lose sight of what you got. Bryce Coon does a fantastic job covering all things LSU and SEC ball in general. Bryce, let folks know where they can find your work. Obviously, you're not just doing stuff with 24 seven Sports. You've got the crowded booth as well, where you talk some Georgia Tech flavor. Just again, let everybody let everybody know all the great things you're doing.
2: Yeah, man. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at Bryce underscore Kuhn, uh, obviously posting a lot of LSU content over there. Uh, you know, if you're a 24 seven sports subscriber already, maybe you're a South Carolina fan or a fan of another SEC program, you can check out the content we have over there. That's one of the great things about the network. And then, yeah, our YouTube channel, our own personal podcast that man, we really, uh, you know started to kind of take a little bit more seriously this fall which was a ton of fun you know two two good friends of mine you know, talking college football talking shop and uh, man it, it's it's a lot of fun we talk Braves over there it's uh, i would say it's a georgia centered sports show but we dabble in the sec we dabble in some other things as well and uh, man it's uh, it's it's been a lot of fun you know chris i know you started this new venture and there's nothing better than just hopping on and, and talking ball it's what we all did at the lunch table as kids and now <laughs> folks want to pay us to do it i'm hey i'm down
0: Indeed. Bryce, you're the man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again soon. Keep up the great work, my friend, and congrats on your success. It's well-deserved. Appreciate it, Chris. You have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much.